This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. Hey docs, are you looking to learn how to become a physician leader? Then Physician CEO is for you. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program designed for physicians and developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. So learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. What's good, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Docs Outside the Box. I am your host, Dr. Nee, and joined by... Dr. Renee, baby, baby! All right. All you need next is confetti. Okay. So you're excited to be here. <laughs> Yo, so let's talk about things and let's talk about how you be jumping from one thing to another, right? With good reason. Um, specifically, well, let's you talk about- it on me. But it is on you because now you're all in this whole franchising thing, right? So um, for those who don't know, franchising is a marketing tool where basically companies expand and then they allow certain people to buy a portion of that business by starting basically their own business of that company, right? Think about McDonald's right. and all the different stores. Think about Cold Stone. Think about all of these different companies and the way how they expand is by allowing individual mm-hmm. people to open up that respective business. Yeah. Now, we are two physicians that we work separately as locums. We got a real estate business going on. We got a podcast business going on. You got your own <laughs> pre-med coaching business going on. And now you want to throw in franchising. Talk to me about this. Why, why do you want to do this? <laughs> so it really started um, like in the summer because my niece was just looking for something to do. Uh, she graduated and just didn't know what to do. And so she wanted to do something that was kind of on her own. And so I read this article about this young 24-year-old woman who went into franchising. And, you know, years later, she's doing really well. So I started looking up franchising really just as a way to kind of talk with my niece about it. And I was like, wait a minute, why haven't we thought about franchising? And then I oh, thought Lord. about where we lived in Pennsylvania and the creamery that's out there, right? The ice cream shop that we used to go to, really popular um, in the community. And I was like, man, if we started one here, it would be so great. And so that's why I was like, yeah, maybe we should start a franchise. And then I went and I, you know, inquired, got information about it. They sent us a, a package by mail and you shot it down. Because <laughs> the, you know, the amount of money that they wanted was something that I was not expecting. Look, my biggest fear, and this is all like emotional. It's, you know, you know me, my initial thoughts are always emotional. It's never like, okay, based off of factual information. It's financially emotional though. Right. But you know, like a lot of these places, particularly like ice cream stores and so forth, like you have to get like high school people to work there, or you have to get people who are seasonal. Right. So I just don't want to have to be like operating on an appendix. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey, like, you know, the the worker has to leave. I need you to come and scoop like three, you know, ice cream cones and put jimmies and all these different things and stuff. (laughs) I ain't got time for that. That's my worst nightmare. Flush the toilets and all that stuff. But that stuff really, um, that's not how it works. Right. Just like that myth. <laughs> I about was going to say, right. Like that myth of people say, well, I don't want to get a rental because, or I don't want to buy properties because I don't want to be called at two o'clock in the morning to unclog toilets. Like these are really emotional roadblocks that we put up. Mm-hmm. 
so that we don't have to do a proper investigation of this. Right. Right. And I've learned that there are a lot of doctors out there who are actually crushing it in the franchise world. And mm-hmm. that leads us to our next guest. Our next guest is Dr. Melva Penn Bigum. She is a radiation oncologist. She's board certified, but she's also a serial entrepreneur. She's an investor. Mm-hmm. She's a mom. She's a wife. She does a lot of different things. She's also a podcast host. Right, And on this show, we're going to be talking about how she's handling um, multiple Cold Stone properties or franchises, as well mm-hmm. as a Subway franchise. And we're going to mm-hmm. talk about kind of like the daily ins and outs of managing this as a board certified you know, radiation oncologist, as well as her husband managing these things and how they handle all of this stuff with franchising, with real estate. And then also, like I said, her podcast, which is also called The 1% Code Collective, which you guys can all catch out there on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get your favorite podcasts. So how about we jump right into this? Yeah. What's good, everyone? Dr. Melva, welcome to Docs Outside the Box. Listen, you are a serial entrepreneur. You also are a board-certified radiation oncologist. What's the deal? Let's talk about this. Let's get into this. I want to first know about your portfolio. Tell us about your portfolio outside of what you do as a physician. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. Super excited. So outside of being a radiation oncologist, I work in a rural setting. My husband and I have been real estate investors for over a decade. Ooh. So we're into fix and flip. <laughs> oh, so you, you're, definitely not, you're definitely not a uh, amateur at this then. No, 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 no. Now it goes back to like the penny pitching, making a couple thousand dollars here and there when we had our own like gardening gift shop right out of college. We've done mini donuts. We've had a donut stand at the hockey season. And then we kind of evolved to now we're multi-franchise owners. We have two Cold Stone Creameries. One is open. One we're in the middle of SBA loan and lease agreements uh, for a new location. And then we're also subway owners. And then of course, both of us- How many subways do you own? One. And honestly, I I wouldn't get another subway right now unless it was already producing. If if I had to kind of like take my franchises, the Kahala franchise, which has like 30 plus franchises with Colstone, they're kind of like the Mecca, like the empire, right? Like diamond money, solid product. Subway went through an entire rebrand and they're bouncing back. By the way, if you saw the tuna, the tuna fish is real. They dismissed that lawsuit. We had to deal with that. Like it's real tuna. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so you so. so you own two Cold Stone Creameries. Yeah. You also own a Subway, yes. right? That's and is there any other franchises that you own? Those are the only franchises we have currently. Yes, and okay. the second Cold Stone is in development. We own the rights, so the doors are not open yet. And that one's actually going to be. I hope I can say this co-branded with Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory out of Colorado. So it'll be well, a, nobody trying to come sue us. You good. You can say whatever you want on Docs <laughs> Outside the Box. You good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. like, you know, I'm interested in this because I often, like, for me, I oftentimes hear people say that franchising is a headache. Franchising is something that you don't want to get into. You're already a busy professional. Like, how do you manage this? You and your your husband, how are you guys handling all this? Who's doing the work? Are you like scooping up ice cream, telling people and they're like, I want extra, extra jimmies. Like, how does it work? How to tell me that <laughs> dynamic of how it works in your family. It's interesting. I think I just did a podcast on this last week or either it's coming out next week on the 1% code. 
franchising is not for the faint at heart, but our approach is business acquisition and leverage. So let me explain that. That's big words. We're... That's big words. Why are you using big words on the show? Come on. Come on, come on. <laughs> okay. About that. So let me, let me break that down for you. As a physician, board certified radiation oncologist, I'm not scooping ice cream. I'm not making sandwiches, but I did when we first started. So, <laughs> so we got the full ex- Why y'all be charging for extra like sprinkles and stuff? Come on. For- yeah. Yeah. We actually even upped, we actually even increased the charge of the mixes. Like what? that's, that's where your money is. <laughs> for the sprinkles. Yes, for the sprinkles and the chocolate sauce and anything you want to add in there. Like there's there's value in the add-ins. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, we work with a district manager and manager levels. So we're leverage. So my husband really is the oversight and strategy on the back end. And then everything goes through a manager. So we're not in the store. And I think people get confused oh, with so owner you've, operator. You've, you've hired a manager. Yes. So I got you. Let me back up one more step. And this is another thing we look at. We chose a location where we could do just like real estate value add. So we started with existing. (laughs) Sorry. Melva, stop using these big words. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So we bought existing operations that had a motivated seller. And it was an opportunity for us to come in and prove upon all the systems to raise the sales in that location. And then we worked with either the managers that were there or we brought in our own management team. And then we did a a step above that by bringing in district managers to oversee all the franchises and future franchises. So when people say for franchising, the money is in the multiples, it is, but you also have to look at how you're running it. Like our time is valuable. So I'm not in there with the teenagers. That's what I was about to Unless say, because that's to. what everybody always says, like a Cold Stone yeah. Creamery or any of those places, you get a lot of teenagers who are working. Yep. They're either working there for summer jobs or they're working there for their after school jobs. And, you know, they're just not as, um, I don't want to cast some, uh, an aspersion on all teenagers, but there's that thing. So it's like, so when you say a district manager, what does that mean? Like, yeah. you mean like a district manager who manages a whole bunch of different Cold Stone Creameries? Or are you talking about you have like a general manager who works at your store nine to five or whatever the hours are? Right. So we have a general manager and assistant manager. Those are, I like to call them the the grown-ups, the adults. They're not the teenager college tweens that gotcha. are working their first time job and they tell Letting you that on application. Behind. Let me get some free right. ice cream, all that. Yeah. Right, right. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Most of your money you lose in in free product to staff. It's like 75% of your staff will steal from you. So when you look at those stats, you you have to have ownership. Dr. So we no, have a manager. Like he wasn't like that as a teenager. Come on now. Come on now. But like literally, they have like they have, I'm looking for a paper clip. They're like systems where people count the paper clips to figure out how much cash they're taking and stealing. It's it's a whole nother conversation. Really? But to answer your question, yes, we have someone in the store who's a manager and then the district manager oversees all the locations. I see. Okay. So, but the district manager doesn't work for you. The district manager works for the franchises. No, no, no. This is our, this is our district manager. So we have a management company right oh, now. Wow. It's an LLC. It may change to a C corp. We're working with, um, you know, tax advisors, but we have a C corp. That's our holding company that has each of our, is this, this too many details? I huh? know. Keep going. Don't worry. I'll work it out. Don't worry. <laughs> that, that has our, uh, that has our businesses under it. So our holding company is the management company that oversees the locations with their own manager. So, so really you need a district manager. So you don't get, it's like real, it's like real estate investing. So you don't get the toll it costs gotcha. or, you know, like, 
like now I just got a message from the district manager. We have our first charge back. Like someone got a cake and decided they didn't want it and they do a charge back. The first year the franchise covered that and they're messaging me the information they need, but they're going to take care of it. But mm-hmm. that's over the level of a manager. The manager does the day-to-day, okay, I'm going to make the cake. I'm going to make sure we have the inventory. I'm going to do the scheduling. A district manager helps to increase your bottom line for sales and new profitable opportunities. Got you. Okay. So <laughs> besides the three franchise or the three stores that you own, cold, two Cold Stones, yeah. one is in progress right now or yes. in construction. And then um, obviously you have the Subway. Yeah. Tell us more about your portfolio. What else do you have? You also have real estate? Yeah. So we have real estate. So we had a long portfolio of long-term rentals, but they basically followed me for the medical career and banks to be fundable. They wanted a prettier portfolio that you could sell. So we sold off a lot of those properties. Some I wish we hadn't. So now I think we're down to like two or three rentals. And then we have a commercial building. We've had this for a long time. It's like seven single units upstairs, probably be short-term Airbnb. And then there's a restaurant, which most likely will lease and open because our district manager is also a chef. So that's really why we pulled him in there. So he could start the store, the restaurant for us. And then it has, I don't know, like 3000 square feet of open space that could be event office rental. So that's a mixed use commercial. Once it's all tapped up and done, that's going to be a huge revenue source for us. Um, And then the other ones, my husband right now is working on some land deals with new construction. We just finished the survey to see if we can put one or two properties on it. So we're we're always doing something in the real estate realm. That's that's what my husband's like go-to. He had to convince me to do it. Now you practice still full-time or... Yes. I practice full-time as a radiation oncologist. I commute an hour to work each day, each way. So two hours total. So a lot of my route is mindset work, interviews, or meditation. Can you meditate wow. while you drive? Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you. So how are you able to balance all of this between... So you're, you say you, you are more in the back end. What does that yeah. mean specifically? So back end wise, we do all of this leverage. So everything, all of my thought is how can I get into an income stream, add an income stream, improve without me there? Like I want to just be like, for example, for radiation oncologists, and I know it's different for specialties. I'm really the strategist, right? So I work, I don't know if you know this, but I work with a team. So a patient comes into me, I do a consult. We figure out what type of cancer they have, if they're going to have surgery, radiation and chemo, some combination thereof. I work then to say, hey, this is the location of the cancer that I want to treat. I want to limit how much the heart, lung, spinal cord get in dose. And then I, I draw that in the computer in this sophisticated planning system. Then I work with a physicist and dosimetrist. They make that happen. They sit and they, they contour. They make sure it's safe for the patient. Then it gets passed over to a therapy team and they actually deliver the treatment on the machine every day. Then I see the patient once a week for on treatment to see if I need to add any medicines on how they're doing. So I work as a physician in this team model of leverage. And that's the same thing I do in the entrepreneurial. So in the back end, I'm the strategy. Okay, what income stream makes sense for our lifestyle? We have three kids, 13, 11, and seven. So we're busy with sports. It's a full house. Yeah, it's it's a full house. And it's kind of like... Yeah, it's a TV show. But anyway, it's it's a full house. And it's that question of, okay, where can the leverage and the strategy go? Like, for example, as you know, with my husband, what's his skill set? He loves numbers. He does trading. He loves real estate. So what we did with the Colstone, for example, he was able to go in there and basically he identified ways to increase. We increased the sales in a single year in the COVID pandemic by $100,000 for a store that was already at the top. And now a word from our sponsor. Understanding how to run a business in medicine will put you at a unique advantage in the future. Whether it's leading a hospital, 
practice or starting a new venture, the Physician CEO program will put you in focus from day one. Physician CEO is an accelerated business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. The Physician CEO program provides an intensive MBA-style education made up of modules, with each module covering topics from leadership to entrepreneurial ventures. Because of their individualized structure, each participant leaves the program with their one, three, and even five-year business plan, all designed to function in the real world. If you're a physician who is looking to start your own venture, lead your practice or department, or even start planning for succession out of medicine, then you can't afford to miss this opportunity. Class is filling up. Learn more at www.physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Hmm. Which is and interesting was because nobody vision. was trying to go out during COVID, definitely not yeah. trying to get ice cream. So how'd you they do were. that? Yeah, As impressive. a matter of fact, they were. We had lines outside the door. Like it's it's called like stress eating, you know, Cold stone crack. I don't want to say that, but <laughs> you know, when you when you're freaked out and you're scared, people sure enough did put their mask on and come get their ice cream. And at one point, I worked a 16 hour day because our manager was out. We didn't know what we were doing, and we we fixed that really quickly. But the company increased revenue during that year, and so did our location, which is why we got the second location. So let's let's dive. Let's take a deep dive into your mindset, right? Because I think ultimately what we're talking about here is that you have like. You have like a physician entrepreneurial type of mindset, like not even physician, like you just entrepreneurship is in your mindset. And I was listening, I was like stalking you and listening to you on another podcast and you was getting like, even in college, like you were, you had like this entrepreneurship business type mentality. Let's jump into that because there was one thing that was really interesting. Tell us about the student loan and you (laughs) using a student loan in business or to open up a business in college. Yeah, when you yeah. already had like you you didn't even you already had like a full ride scholarship, right? So tell us about yeah, that, how that worked. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Duke University to undergrad and I had a full academic scholarship. First year was seventy five percent, and then they real quick. I went to Lehigh. We beat you guys in the NCAA's, but boo, yeah. <laughs> boo. Mm-hmm. Um, no, congratulations. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I had a full scholarship, and so I didn't have any loans, and everybody else was taking out loans. So I think it wasn't even that. I don't think it was that much. It was like twenty five hundred dollars, and we bought this this donut machine. Got it shipped in and we started Mel's mini donuts. We can make a hundred mini donut, hundred mini dozen donuts per hour with either like powdered sugar or cinnamon, whatever. This is and doing so like then, the basketball games? Yeah. Well, I didn't do the basketball games. So I did Midnight yeah, Madness. A lot of Cameron Crazies and so forth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I got a contract at this time. At, at this time, I was thinking, I don't know if you know LeVar um, Johnson, but he was one of my mentors. He's a football player at Duke. Now he's a motivational speaker. So he'd be someone good to connect with. But he sold roses. So he got roses from Ecuador. And it was around this time I understood you could wholesale. So to meet our sales goal and pay it back, we got a contract with the university because I was a resident advisor. And it was that same mindset you talk about is, okay, how can I get back to even and then profit? Instead of doing one-on-one sales, I can sell to an entire organization. And that's that's how we paid it off. Later, they didn't realize that I had a real, real machine. I think they thought I had this like small sheet machine. <laughs> Wow. And then I guess from there, or even I remember you were saying on the other podcast, like it started even before that, like you were doing drop shipping before yeah. it was really called drop shipping, where you would go to like an outlet store and then you yeah. would put that stuff on eBay when you can really make good amount of money on eBay and put like name brand Abercrombie and Fitch and yeah. all of these different things. So you've always had the whole idea of leverage, buy something cheaper from someplace and maybe sell it at a little bit of a profit someplace else, which is which is really dope. And it's really kind of like the antithesis of what you see in medicine. 
Right. Medicine is yeah. you focus just on one thing and you have someone's life in your hands. So you can't really take much risk and so forth. So talk to us. Like, what's the difference between the mentality that you have right now or even the mentality that you had before medical school and how it is as a physician? Right. I, I think the biggest difference is as physicians, we're very smart and we've made a lot of money, but making your first six figures as an entrepreneur and not based on an employee check from your medical skill that you put that time into, I think that's what makes it very difficult because I, I struggled there. And that's why I like to help other physicians now is, for example, I would hire people when I was first working on leverage that weren't a good fit. So now in my network, I have a ton of people who are HR consultants. They talk about personalities. I would hire like, not to be funny, but I would hire nurses who were dependent on me as a business partner. And it didn't work because I needed to be there every step of the way, as opposed to me hiring someone who made more money than me. And they had a skill set that complemented my goal as a physician entrepreneur. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get yeah, what you're and saying. And I think a lot of people do that. We, we take what, you know, that, that book, like what got you here won't get you there. There has to be a shift when you're a physician entrepreneur. And this patient is just waiting for PT before being discharged. Cool. Thanks so much for the sign out. No problem. And I head back to my hotel to check out before going to the airport. Airport? Where are you going? New Zealand for a month. Wait, for a month? How'd you swing vacation for a month? I'm a locumzac, so I go on vacation all the time for however long I want. You know what? I've heard of locums docs. Tell me more about this. Yeah, so with locums, my medical malpractice, travel, and housing is all covered, not to mention all the tax benefits. And low-key, I'm probably getting paid at least 33% more than you are right now. Wait, what? Oh! To learn more about locum tenants, Check out locumstory.com. That's locumstory.com. Let's d- let's dive a little bit deeper now. Tell us more. Like, what do you see as the biggest hangup that you see with, for example, like physicians who listen to what you're saying? They're like, hey, I want to go from six figures to seven figures or you know, whatever it is, I want to make sure that whatever I'm using or relying on from my finances doesn't have to do with me always going into a hospital, seeing a patient, doing a surgery, going to clinic. Talk to me about that. Like, what is the biggest hangup that you see with physicians? You know, so I think it would be a tie between lack of clarity and then self-worth and that whole imposter syndrome, self-sabotage. So for example, and I, I think I was saying this on You're another show. you about to start show. preaching, aren't you? Let's do it. Huh? You're about to start preaching. Get into <laughs> no, this. No, no, don't let, me, don't let me start preaching. But it, it's kind of everything we just talked about that I did and not even covering it. I still have some days where I'm like, I'm not finished. I haven't done enough, you know? And it, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's crazy to, it's crazy to think about that. And, and my husband not being in, in medical school, but we've known each other since the ninth grade. So he's known me and seen what's possible even before wow. the degrees came after my name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's an entrepreneur though. And he's done a lot of stuff. So like, it makes sense we're together and we have entrepreneur kids now. But I think, I think that not understanding your worth. So I think the transition that happened for me, even as an entrepreneur before medicine was, I decided I didn't want to check the boxes anymore. I didn't want to clock in. I didn't want to get paid for the time I was there. I wanted to be paid for my value and my worth. And as a matter of fact, when I went to the job I'm in now, which I've been here five years, which is incredible. I, I didn't stay anywhere else for longer than 18 months. I was like, you know, now I'm at the point I know like when people's 
birthdays are their spouses. I'm like, I've been here way too long. This is uncomfortable, (laughs) but I'm here because I started in my contract. It clearly stated I am a physician and I'm an entrepreneur. These business interests I have are outside of the role for what you hired me for. And I would like to continue this. And I think starting that relationship there, I had nothing to hide. I wasn't scared for people to know, okay, you're a motivational speaker. Okay. You have a six figure coaching business or you're a real estate investor. You, I bought the land beside where I work. So some days when I get discouraged as an employee, I just look out the window and I say, Hey, I own that, (laughs) you know? So it's, it's kind of, I think you have to have that mindset of what's your value, what's your worth outside of what they're paying you stand up with that. And then two, you have to have clarity and you can't get it from anybody else. Cause I tried, I tried with so many coaches to figure out like, what's my spot? What's my space? How can I help people? And I think that's where a lot of doctors go wrong because they sign up for a program and they're like, okay, I'm gonna be a real estate investor. And then they find out they don't really like to make money like that. So how do you find your clarity or what's your best advice when, for people to find their clarity? I think, I think a lot of clarity comes when you commit to self, self care, self-love, you, you're consistent with whatever it is you're doing. And then I think you'll have to talk to a lot of different people, people who are in business, people who are out. Your kids are great. Like, oh my gosh, I had no idea how much my kids followed me. We're like Googling my YouTube and we're telling me, well, mom, you say this, but really you're doing this. I'm like, oh, you're calling me out. You're calling me out. <laughs> yeah, um, but, me I, out. but I think clarity is a process. And I think when you rush to get to the answer for a time frame most likely what you decide isn't right. I mean, like or how if many you're people- running away from something. Yeah, if you're running away from something. So I like to give you and Renee, <laughs> Dr. Renee, a shout out. So I think I was like, sometimes I was the only person on y'all's calls. I don't even know if you remember this. When you guys were doing like running with the Darkos when you were doing your debt pay down. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And like you guys like, y'all had like that setup and you do it live. It'd be like two people on there. I was on there like every day because I was like, oh my God, I God, love Dr. this. Mother, like, tell me more. Why you gotta tell only two people on there? Why you gotta tell people <laughs> I'm that? Sorry. I'm sorry. We had like yeah, 50 you know, people on there. I'm sorry. You have 50 people in there. I was one of 50. And and what I loved about that is you were so transparent and honest. And my thing has always been making money. There's, there's nobody's product opportunity where I can't like put my eyes, like you said, my entrepreneur mindset and figure out how to bring more profit out of it. But keeping money is not really Dr. Melba's strong point. And I've been working on that. So like, I'd follow y'all like, okay, wait, I got to open the mail. I get, like I, when the mail comes, I, I have to open it. Shit. <laughs> You know, it's those so small little things, right? It's the small little things. And, you know, and I'll get on the phone with these lenders because we've, we've made bukus of money. We've spent bukus of money, right? And I think a lot of doctors have, and that's kept a lot of people there. But when you talk about running away, I realized that I was separating making money from keeping money. And so for a long time, I was like, I don't want to teach people how to make money because they're going to be like, well, where's yours? Like I get on the phone with the bankers and they're like, why don't you have 10 to 15 million in the bank? I'm like, they're like, we're trying to figure it out. What's there to figure out? I spin it. It's gone. Like, you know, and I'm getting better. And this is it's, how you get fact, real on docs outside the box. That's what I'm talking about. Keep going. Keep getting real, like, Dr. But Melva. You, but you know, like these lenders will ask me stupid questions. And I'm like, look, before we even get into this process, I did X, Y, Z. I made some stupid decisions. Okay. But I have forgiven myself about that. And if you want to work with me, you can forgive me too. And the only way this is successful is relationships. Okay. So I make relationships with BPs of banks. They know my name. They know my number. They know how to reach me because I've had to overcome, like you said, what I've been running away from, which is the the spending that we did early on. So I don't have a problem making money, but keeping money, I'll refer to you and Dr. Renee. Well, listen, there it is, everyone. This is Dr. Melva. This is the mindset of someone who really 
is a physician entrepreneur, it's really interesting to get your perspective because I think a lot of people, like you said, like it's very hard to get clarity on, you know, whatever it is that you want to do as an entrepreneur. But also at the same time, I think a lot of times people are walking away from something or running away from something and they just go to the the quickest thing that they can find to do, but they may not be that passionate about that. So I just want to say thank you very much for giving us, you know, uh, a little bit of a window into your mindset. Now, you've also joined the podcasting space. So I got to say I'm super (laughs) proud of you for jumping into the podcast. So you want to tell people about your podcast. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want to hear what you have to say, maybe kind of, you know, connect with you. Tell them how to do that. Yes. Thank you so much. This was this was a lot of fun. You got me to finally open up. Usually I'm, I'm kind of like timid. It takes this me a while. This docs so, outside the box. We do things differently here. Come yes, on. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so it is called the 1% Code Podcast. And this is where we talk everything that I just talked about. It's leverage. It's how to turn your job into a hobby and trade those golden handcuffs in for true wealth. We talk about real estate syndications. Like you said, the mindset of a physician entrepreneur. And I really like to work with physicians and other top income earners to transition into that physician entrepreneur or top income leverage lifestyle. And they can reach out to me. You can find the 1% Code Collective. It's an online private community. And then I'm on all social media handles at Dr. Melva spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-M-E-L-P-A. There it is, everyone. Dr. Melva, board certified radiation oncologist, as well as a serial entrepreneur. Make sure you check out her podcast. Dr. Melva, thanks for coming on Docs Thank Outside you. the Box. And that's a wrap. So what did you think? What's your takeaways from this interview? Well, First of all, I want to say thank you to Dr. Melva for busting all of those myths and basically making me seem like I am a rational person when my husband shoots down doing a, a franchise. Um, I just love She her did side say hustle. that she had to scoop some ice cream. She did say that. All right. <laughs> Once. In the show. All right. <laughs> Once. Once. But no, I love it. I love her entrepreneurial spirit, even starting in college. Like that was a great story. Um, And it just, you know, goes to show you that, um, you know, as physicians, you you don't have to be so very regimented that everything that you do has a very specific way of doing it, that you can be very creative and you can use that creativity in so many different ways. And for her, yes, she's a radiation oncologist. But she also is a serial entrepreneur and is willing to take certain risks um, and, and be creative. Um, she's talking about being at Duke it. Games when she was in college selling donuts. Like she I mean, was come not on. playing. She's been on her the grind hustle. since college. Yeah. Since college. That was yes. dope. That was dope. And yeah. it's just, I think it's just, it just changes into so many different forms. And I think for her, the thing that I thought that was really interesting is there's something about making money based off of how much you think you should be charging people and how much you mm-hmm. think your worth is versus if you're an employee and a company pays you what they think you're worth, right? Like, yeah. There's certain values. There's certain things that are different with, with that. I'm going to let people listen to that and kind of just, you know, kind of simmer on that. But just mm-hmm. think about that, right? Because, you know, there's this thought process that we as physicians are, for the most part, high-paid employees, mm-hmm. right? And yes, we take care of people at their sickest and we do things that, you know, a lot of people can't do. But also at the same time, the the arena in which we relegate ourselves to, are we really actualizing how much we are really worth, right? right? And maybe that's why so many people are going into business for themselves, whether it's locums, whether it's they just want to jump right into private practice or they just want to do 
something else like with franchising or with real estate or with podcasting mm-hmm. or with creating content, something that people can appreciate and then they get what they feel to be a fair market value. I don't know. That was a lot to say, but what do you yeah. think? No, I mean, it, it, it was great. And I love how she also kind of talked about, you know, being this entrepreneur and being able to do, to make these streams of income, but also recognizing that her savings, right, that she was, or that her spending um, was a problem, right? So she's like, yeah, I had no problems making money, but I was like spending it like crazy. Um, So that, that to me was like, yeah, you know, you can be good at one thing with money, but, you know, need some work in some other areas. And so it was great that she recognized that. I like that that she recognized that. Yeah. That's the key. She recognized it. And then she tried mm-hmm. to call us out and say there's only like two people on our live streams. That's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't think I caught that. That's messed up. Um, but you remember real quick, real quick before we get out of here, you remember you came to school? Remember we had like a, I think we had like, it was winter break, like the first semester of med school. <laughs> I you know go to you New going. York. You go to New York. I go to Jersey. We come back. And you come back with like this like package of like vitamins. Why are you and always- you straight. You straight up try to get me in a pyramid scheme like this is Amway. And you're like, yo, listen, I'm going to give you these free samples of, of vitamins. And like when you study in with your study partners, you know. Like, Which is talk me. To, but well, I've, well, it had to be more than that, right? Because you're giving me like these free samples. Like I'm like you're a drug dealer. Like, yeah, go on and sell this. And then tell them there's more where that came from. Like what the hell is this? Like give them these pamphlets. That is not them, how that happened. That's exactly what happened. That is and not you what happened. Don't these listen vitamins. to him, nobody. Listen, I'm giving you your props on being an entrepreneur, but that's exactly what you tried to do. Remember? What's your, what's your Go ahead with your side. I, I, I can't believe you don't want me I to just this. came up with this stuff and I went to different gyms. I did not give anything to you, okay? You went to different like, gyms oh, and yeah. where? Where? In Kansas City. Where really? else? That's where I was living. Weren't you living there? You did try to get me to sell some to my my classmates, which I mean, it's not that big of a deal. But for me, my mind, what, my mind was so far away from like anything business related. I was literally like, "What is this girl? What's she doing?" Like, I remember when I was thinking, I was like, "Where's, where's her mind at?" Like, she's not dedicated. <laughs> I seriously, I was like, "Is she not dedicated? She's not focused on what we need to be, what needs to be the task at hand." But we all <laughs> and look at some, you now. Right. And that's me now, right? In all some form or fashion, like we have, like we can't just put our mindset or we can't just put Mm -hmm. everything, our eggs in one basket. And also at the same time, if you see someone else who has their hand in multiple different things, like you shouldn't really be quick to judge them, Mm -hmm. right? Because you never know when you'll be on that side also. So Yeah. Welcome to the dark side, Darko. Mm, There it is. All right, guys, you can always let us know what you think about these episodes and what do you think about these takeaway segments by texting us at one 230 And with that, we out. Peace. Peace.